to Court Branch or Clearance Center for up to 70% off new retail prices. Stock is updated regularly, so you never know what kind of treasures you'll find. We offer a wide variety of stylish furniture for any budget, and every piece is Court certified, so you can let your personality show in every room. And now through April 3rd is our tax refund sale. Mention refund 25 and take 25% off living room and dining room sets. Use your refund and refresh your home with stylish finds from Court Furniture Clearance Center. Go to CourtClearanceFurniture.com today. Hello and welcome to Fair Game, the podcast with a firm focus on Irish sportswomen, coming to you from our new home of the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm Elaine Buckley. And I'm Emily Glenn. On this episode of the show, our 20th episode so far, we're getting stuck into an event which takes over the capital city this weekend as 20,000 runners put their months of training and preparation into action for the Dublin Marathon. But before we do that, just a quick reminder of where you can find us. Check out headstuff.org for our full archive of episodes. Fair Game is also available to stream and download on iTunes, Android, Stitcher and Spotify. Just search our name and we'll be there. If you could find it in your heart to rate and review us on your app of choice too, that would be hugely appreciated. That's actually not just something people like us say at the start of podcasts for the crack. It does hugely help other like-minded people find out about us. We also love if you could share the podcast on social media or in your sports club WhatsApp groups. It goes a long way. So if you like what you hear and you think others would too, then please pass it along. And we love us some feedback and suggestions. So if there's something you're interested in that we haven't covered on the podcast so far, give us a shout and let us know. And finally, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Fair Gamecast, where we provide a constant stream of news, views and opinions on everything going on in women's sports, both at home and abroad. So back to our focus for the next hour or so, running. In Ireland, recent research has shown that female participation in sports centres largely around solo activities, with running being one of the most popular, be it for physical benefits, mental release or working towards the end goal of a major event. More Irish women than ever are out and about running at all levels. For many, the challenge of a marathon is the ultimate goal. And let's not forget, the women's marathon has only been an Olympic sport since 1984. And it was a mere eight years before that in 1976 when Catherine Switzer was the first woman to run the Boston Marathon. I think we all remember that photo when a race official tried to tackle Catherine to the ground um, and stop her completing the distance. Women have been running the Dublin Marathon since it began in 1980 and the capacity of the event has grown significantly in recent years with a 30% increase in entrance since 2015, taking the overall capacity to 20,000 and making it the fifth largest marathon in Europe. There has also been a rise in the number of female entrants, with 6,615 women set to take to the streets of Dublin at this year's event. That's an increase of over 2,000 women participating since 2015. So it is our great honour to have with us in studio a woman who has won the Dublin Marathon in 2013, running a blistering 238.51. She returned the next year to defend her title and came second, running a PB of 234.19. This Olympian has represented Ireland in middle distance running, but she's in the fair game hot seat on the eve of the Dublin Marathon to talk to us about mastering the marathon. Maria McCambridge, you're very welcome to fair game. Thank you very much for having me. Welcome along, Maria. Now, we're going to get into all that a bit later on, but first of all, when we have people in the in the fair game hot seat, we'd like to take them way, way back to your early sporting life. What were your interests when you were a kid and who were your role models? Um, I just was into every sport uh, as a kid, just wanted to play everything, try everything. And um, 
and it was really just in secondary school and um, there was a little bit of a cross-country team going and I was like oh I want to be part of that and see what it's about and I jumped into the race loved it and said mom I want to join a running club and um, I just took it from there joined DSD um, it was done drum back then a long time ago <laughs> and um, I've just hooked Hooked. Yeah. Elaine was super excited to ask you that question because she knows you played hockey in school as well. I did, yeah. Giving up hockey was hard, um, but um, as I sort of was leaving school and I was taking up a scholarship in the States, um, my training was going to step up a bit and um, I knew then that um, I had to sort of finally just take uh, one focus and I knew that running was going to be the one. Yeah, you moved to um, the States in... Uh, you're about 19 to go to Providence yeah America was an amazing experience and Providence College was fabulous Um, I certainly found it challenging at times I'm a bit of a home bird um, and I spent most of my last two years uh, on injured and um, it's a hard place to be there when all you want to do is go away at the weekends and race and represent the the, the college and uh, you're sort of stuck back on campus but um, I couldn't have asked um, for a better setup um, uh, brilliant education so I probably put myself in um, put my head down and studied a lot harder in my last two years um, um, but um, it was an amazing experience all around. And what were the facilities like over there for like for for training? Was there was there much support on offer? Or? Oh, the facilities were, were amazing, but uh, probably only nothing compared to what it is now. <laughs> it's like they've built a track, they've uh, improved everything. I've been looking at pictures of where Providence is now. Twenty years on, yes, um, my twenty year reunion <laughs> is on this year or next year, sir. And um, they. Um, uh, but I, I mean, you you needed the physio. You were straight into the physio. You needed your new runners. You just got your new runners and um, um, a fabulous setup. You could, I mean, you were you were professional, yet you were still living, um, you know, an amateur life. But it was brilliant. And were you you were running three thousand meters and five thousand meters in college? Is that right? Um, the track track was for the fifteen hundred and three thousand, and then the cross country season uh, distance was five k at that time. So that was, okay. that was pretty much it. That time. And how did you decide that those were kind of the, the distances for you at the time? Was there a coach involved or was it? Yes, I mean, I probably uh, went out only having really ever run 1500 and maybe obviously longer with um, cross country races and stuff. But um, um, Ray uh, Ray Tracy, John Tracy's brother, uh, was an excellent is an excellent coach. So coaching out there and um, everything was very much uh, progression and. Um, uh, I knew probably down the road that the three k five k would probably be my best distances, and uh, that's where my my true love is is in the track, and um, probably the marathon just sort of ended up sort of prolonging your career and um, extending it out. And you do fall in love with the marathon, obviously, but uh, uh, that's sort of where it all started. But you you came back from America then, um, and I think you were carrying a bit of an injury. So how did that kind of affect your running ambitions? Talk to us about how you settled in and, and found your feet in the club again. It was really, really difficult coming back um, from the States. Um, I knew I always wanted to come back. Um, as I said, like I was quite homesick at times, um, but I had picked up a quite a serious um, stress fracture in my femur and I hadn't run in six months. And sort of coming back uh, when all your contemporaries have moved on, have moved away, the club, the, the 
guys and girls that I trained with were either ha- weren't running anymore or had moved on. Some stayed over in the States as well. And I actually didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I like I, I was probably <laughs> at a complete loose end. So I, I I decided to go back and study and I went to UCD to do a postgrad and that sort of put a little bit of structure back into my life but it was a, a, and just gave me a sense of like oh at least I have something because it was another couple of months before I actually uh, got back running and um, found a group to train with. And at what stage did the Olympics become a possibility like a real possibility? Um, I suppose um, the following year 99 um, when I had finally got healthy again and I started training with Jerry Kiernan and um, I the Sydney Olympics was coming up and I, and I really sort of like I suppose that was probably the, the first time I really actually realized that yeah this is something I really want to um, to to go you always want to be an Olympian and um, and and in the in 2000 I ran around the qualifying time and um, it was just uh, unfortunate that five other or four other girls did as well and I didn't get to go and um, I suppose back then it was very hard to sort of look at the next four years but um, I, fe- I felt that was the year where I made the biggest jump in in in, in performances. And Maria you became an Olympian in uh, officially in 2004 at the Athens Games. Talk to us about that experience. Um, I suppose um, all in all, I suppose I haven't had the the greatest experiences with uh, the Olympics. Um, there always seems to be controversy and problems following me <laughs> regarding them. Uh, part of me would love to say I'm a four time Olympian. I, I feel that's deep down. I feel I should be able to say that. Um, I've certainly um, gone through all those cycles, and but uh, um, there's always something has cropped up. I mean. As I said, Sydney, and there was five of us. There was a lot of controversy with the Athletics Ireland and the Olympic Association there, and um, so there was no official trials. And um, so, not to go into all the ins and outs, but then in for the Olympics in Athens, um, the Olympic Council of Ireland had decided that they were putting a early um, date to have made the qualifying time which was completely unfair and because if you weren't in Australia or in America you had to wait till June before the European uh, circuits t- takes takes off and if you're actually wanting to be peaking in August you know you really want to be starting your racing in June and really trying to perform in July I didn't have the backup of um, agents and stuff like that so um, and uh, I've always found it very hard to get into races I mean race directors and jumping on planes last minute Um, there was a couple of 5,000s and I literally was something like I had run 5,000 five five thousand meters in a row and was on the kept just running 1529 1530 1531 and um eventually um the time came and there was a lot of controversy and there was a lot of uproar about it and but i i sort of deep down i felt that i didn't want to give up until the end because the official iwaf time was until two weeks before athens and no matter what, I felt that I was in that shape. And uh, if there was a possibility that I could get into a race, which came up over in Belgium. And um, it, it was really more just for myself. I knew I could do it. And I, I felt like at least uh, I can 
if I if I do it, I I'll put myself in in the running. So and I did. I made the qualifying time, which was a very stiff qualifying time back then. And um, uh, but I, I knew it was never going to be. Uh, uh, it was there was quite well to be honest. It was it was a real battle over the last two weeks, and it, and I saw a really awful side to to everything, and it was emotionally very draining and. Um, I, I, I would hope no other athlete would ever have to go through something like that. Um, and it, it ruined the 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 build up. I mean, I got, I got quite sick and run down and I, I just found it very difficult to deal with. Um, I was quite a shy, reserved person back then. And uh, even deep down, I, I was strong, but on ex- externally, then I found it very hard to deal with the whole situation and I didn't perform very well but so sort of the experience was a bit ruined um, but you know at the end of the day it was still amazing to to actually go there. That sounds like a really kind of bruising experience and you're saying that you you know the the qualifying for those games and we might come back to the actual experience of Athens in a minute but talk to us a little bit about um, the 2012 London games then because you um in spite of you, you met the qualifying standard but I think there were four women who met the qualifying standard yeah do you think that's something <laughs> that needs to be redressed then yeah it, it, it does and, and and like I I I I believe in trials I always have and for some reason um you know back in 2000 when for the first time there was five athletes of us qualifying for a time they still didn't de- deal with the situation where you had more than three athletes qualifying for an event and they just this didn't anticipate that that was going to happen because usually it always is if someone qualified they got to go because we are a small nation and we don't have that many qualifying um you know um so i i was kind of annoyed that the structures weren't put in place to 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 deal with that and um Look, I, you know, it, it was, I suppose, deep down, I kind of knew that I wasn't going to be picked because, like, even though it was only a couple of a seconds, um, I just felt they'll always go with the easy option of going by time. And um, it just, um, yeah, I, I, it, it was it was hard to take, but, um, you know, it wasn't personal with the athletes. Mm. I, I felt again let down by the association because um, they set a criteria which was quite wishy-washy. And, and on that paper, I met all the criteria. I had come out of the the marathon in good shape. I had no injuries. I was out on the circuit proving to them that I was in the shape. Um, uh, one or two athletes I had, had um, you know, the... I, I suppose I it's 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 difficult to talk because I, I know I know these girls and you know they mm. are my contemporaries and stuff and um, I full respect for, for, for what you know everything they did but um, I just wish it, you know it could have been I wanted it to be the trial in Dublin um, I was second uh, athlete that day Linda Byrne won I was second Ava would have been the third athlete and Katrina Jennings would have been the fourth athlete um, but again they weren't using that and yet all of us were there and again I, I, I just think um, it should have been a race a qualifying race and then if you didn't have the time you had the first opportunity to go off to another race and get that qualifying time I think other countries do that and um, that that that's what I would have always believed would have been the fairest option 
Yeah, because it, it arose again last year with, with the men's with, with too many people qualifying. So maybe it, it is just something that, that, that they need to look at long term. But um, taking back to your, your own experience of marathon, what was your first ever competitive marathon? Do you is it is it one that you oh, just yes. remember <laughs> every time. little detail yeah, of? Yeah, I um, had spent most of um, uh, 2007 injured. I was nearly nine months out, and I just ran out of time to get fit for the Beijing Olympics. So I was kind of at a real crossroads. I was there. Do I continue on? Um, I sort of took a two week break and um, my husband, who has done a lot of marathons and has always been in the back of my mind, you've got to do one. And he had wanted me to train for the Beijing Olympics. He thought that the marathon would have been my best opportunity on such a short limit of time. But my head wasn't in the marathon at all. Then I was like a 5K runner and I was trying to 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 still sort of uh, stick with that and on those two weeks um, I just questioned everything I wanted regarding future um, in my future in running and um, I it just literally just clicked one day in the brain there was exactly 10 weeks then to the Dublin Marathon and I said right I'm just going to put my foot down and see what it's all about oh yeah sure that's how it goes yeah Yeah. and I just I just I just started doing I'd never gone over 12 miles in running and I just went out and just built things up I was we were living in Donegal at the time and there was a great group of um uh, their training and I just jumped in with them did all these extra miles first hundred miles practically ever and um, enjoyed every minute of it it really got a love for just having a real goal and purpose and because I had missed um, the Beijing Olympics my goal was I said personally I want to make that qualifying time I sort of said I want to see that I can run under 237 and that was all I wanted to to know that I still had uh, something to, to aim for and it, the the race was just perfect. I I actually only had really felt that the last two miles were the hardest thing, and you can always get through the last two miles. And um, I ran two thirty six, thirty six, I think it was at that end, then, and I was just hooked, hooked from there. That's incredible. It's also really uh, kind of nice to know that even at you know your level, the kind of pointy end of the 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 spectrum, um, the uh, the elite level, that you know you <laughs> even elites are like you know trying to squish an entire training block into into 10 weeks or like you know it never really goes perfectly you're never having your 16 or 12 week training block no I always I always only ever like to have a specific 10 or 12 week marathon block because I would be fit and leading up to that and working on 10k and Mm. stuff like that and coming into it but then I always just felt mentally I could only handle 10 or 12 weeks of marathon focus where you're just it's all about the marathon where you just become so uh, zoned into the that particular race and um, I found um, that's kind of what uh, mentally I found as the best channel. And where did you come in that race? That was your first one so. Um, I don't know where I came um, but I, I, I won the national title that year so I was delighted with that. So On that 10 was, weeks training. <laughs> yeah but I mean I, I suppose I probably I mean I had I was fit leading up to the break and um, I, it was more just kind of um, uh, I like. I suppose I didn't lose too much fitness in the ten weeks or the two weeks that I took off because I was able to jump back in and I was just doing a lot of miles and some turnover stuff and it was all new and I just and yeah. and skipping forward a few years then, um, Maria to two thousand and thirteen when you 
uh, when you famously won the Dublin Marathon, which was um, in a time of 2.38.51, um, which is just incredible. What went right for you on that special day? Um, well, it, it was actually quite a tricky um uh, things hadn't been going well that year. Um, well, more so that I had qualified for the World Championships in Moscow and um, that was a complete disaster. I just 100% could not deal with the heat. We were running at like two or three in the afternoon and it was like 39, 40 degrees. Um, it was, the, it was insane. That's a race you DNF from, isn't it? I, I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. After 5k, I was burning up. Uh, it was like running in a cauldron. I, I, I just couldn't deal with it. Um, probably deep down, I knew that um, it probably wasn't a, a good idea because I would have had to have trained in a lot better, longer um, my form wasn't great going in, um, but um, well, it was OK. It was just kind of average. But um, so coming off that again, uh, it was awful. I had an awful experience in Russia, <laughs> in the hospital and collapsing oh. and all that kind of stuff. But um, I just then said, right, well, maybe I try not to put all that work to waste. And I sort of said, um, how amazing would it be to to win the Dublin Marathon? So I said, right, um, Let's 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 stick with it for another couple of weeks because that was kind of the end of August. But it was an amazing, wonderful to to win it. Um, I wouldn't say I was running that brilliantly leading into it, but um, on the day it 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 went well. Do you remember crossing the line? Oh, it was oh, it was fantastic. Um, um, and I got uh, so much. Um, amazing support by so many people during the marathon and afterwards and I mean it, it seems as if that was probably my best race ever <laughs> I got so much <laughs> people many pe- people on the street and everything it was um, really uplifting the year after you um, went back to defend your title um, and you had probably what must be a bittersweet day because yeah. you came second there is a you lost out to a competitor a Kenyan athlete by four seconds mm, yeah. and we were talking about this the other night and it's like you know that would like I uh, I've never raced like that but those races kind of those runs where you just want something slightly different to have changed they kind of stick with you so how yeah. do you do you look back on that day and is it something that you then kind of have used to to give you confidence for the, your career um, since then? Yeah, no, I mean that. I I think that was the best marathon race I've ever ever run. Um, after the twenty thirteen, I got I was I was very run down and um in a real bad way of what I was going to do. I kept I, I I couldn't shift this um cold. It was running into six eight weeks and. Um, I think it was obviously an accumulation of probably uh, coming from Moscow and then running Dublin. And um, so I was just there and I was with uh, um, Dick Dick Cooper, a fantastic coach, but I wasn't motivated anymore. I wasn't motivated to to do the same training cycle and um, I didn't really know what what I was going to do or where I was going to go like that. I wasn't happy with how I was feeling. so I sort of was in limbo land for a little while and then I was invited on that march to, with an Athletics Ireland um, uh, training camp over in Portugal and um, Gary said you you, just, you should just go and just go train with people and just 
enjoy it and, and see where you go because I was kind of self-training uh, coaching myself at that point and Chris Jones who was the high performance director at the time um, and I just started talking to him and was at, at a low point because I was just there I'm training and I'm not going anywhere and I know I can do so much more so he sort of took on a bit of a guidance role with me um, and it sort of developed from there and I just got really really motivated it was something new it was something fresh it was a whole new type of training that I had never done before I started running easy I started doing longer sessions I started doing um, it, it, just a whole different change of everything and I, I just loved it I was so um, lapping up a, a new challenge of how to train how to um, apply everything and everything was so specific every day had a, a real um, goal and you sort of um, you know you just if he said run, run easy that day he meant it if he said jog you jogged if you know because the workouts were so long they were tough and he wanted everything in very specific times so it was amazing and I really wanted to do Dublin that year and so um, again I started running PBs over 10 miles half marathon and the build up for the Dublin marathon was was the best ever I'd never experienced training like that I did uh, 12 weeks of hitting every workout exactly how he wanted and I have never been so confident going into a race before and I I, I went there to win um, I never for a second I would love to I'd love to get that all that back because you wish you could soak it up because I was so uh, in um so in the moment of the race um it was a it was quite a horrible day um and um we sort of backed off a little bit for the first bit of the race and the Kenyans and the Ethiopians there was about five of them went off and I just stuck in with the group and I said, I said, no, um, you know, it'll come back when you turn around the corner and you go down the hill because it was so um, windy. And about 16 miles, I'd caught up to the group and um, I had a goal in mind I had of, of 2.32, but I made a decision at that point when they started sitting in on me and I was trying to hit my paces that I was like, I either make, I either go for my time here um or they're going to sit on you and um, uh, and use you and block and use you um, to block the wind. So I said, I said, well, look, um, obviously you really want to run a, a, a fast time, but it was more important for me that I wanted to win that race. And um, so I started playing, um, you know, a more tactical role from 16 miles. And she she moved that the the girl who won had moved on on the Klonsky road and the wind was howling up that road and I said she's gone too early I'm, I'm not gonna go um go at that pace um uh, up there and uh and then turning around then coming on to sort of the Marion um the last little stretch um I just ran out of road <laughs> so I was really frustrating because I was like uh I, I just left my my uh, final role of our final 
uh, injection of pace too late. And so I was raging on myself, but I was also really proud of myself because I never gave up. But um, it was uh, it was a strange race in that regard. So sorry, probably a bit long winded there. No, at all. <laughs> it's really interesting that the uh, tactics of a, of a race like that. But yeah. like to go from winning it one year to come back the next year and, and, and set a new per, better yeah, your personal yeah, best no, again. I, I was really, really happy with that. Uh, uh, but I was I was really frustrated because I feel if I had just started like I just sudden I misjudged I thought we had a little bit longer to go and suddenly I saw on the pole 800 metres to go and I was like oh my gosh so I literally was like I've only got 800 metres to go oh my gosh because I thought we had to come down further on the road so I, I was annoyed at myself that I had misjudged that as well because um, and then the wind was howling in the face and my contacts blew out oh. and I was already <laughs> and the, everything was just a blur these last four or five hundred metres I couldn't see anything and the crowd was going ballistic <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. Oh my gosh! You mentioned there, Maria, kind of the the importance of of the switch up in in your training, kind of in, in that period. Um, in terms of your own training regime that 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 Chris kind of guided you, in, could you talk us through kind of drill down into the specifics of it, of say a peak train training week for you? in the build up to that race um, okay yeah um, sort of uh, firstly I always found it hard that Monday was my easy day because <laughs> usually I always like to start my week on on a good note so but after the weekend yes I totally uh, Monday was my recovery day um, so that was usually only about 50 minutes and um, that was um, that was fine Tuesday um I tended to do um, my train, my, my hard sessions in the morning and then the recovery easy five, six miles in the evening. Um, some of the sessions would have been um, it, you'd have your two mile warm up and a three mile cool down. Um, he'd often get me to do these sort of uh, two or three miles uh, sort of like um, sort of high aerobic running and sort of like the pre miles before the workout which was I was found it was hard because you just wanted to get on with the workout but uh, they were actually really beneficial so they they were I would do two to three miles at like 620 pace and then the sessions then would often be um at varying paces so if it was um um say three by 5k um it would be 1k at certain pace and then you'd increase it and then you go back down so you could be going like 3 four, uh, 350 340 330 340 330 330 and as you progress into the weeks um then they might be going um like in my last session I was going like 330 320 310 that kind of thing and then you would repeat so um your recovery um uh, some some of the sessions you had recovery, sometimes you didn't. Um, but the the faster stuff, then you'd get longer. So there would be a lot of sets running. So <laughs> it, that was very um, new to me. And then um, you do your two or three miles, sort of at six twenty again, and then you'd have another three miles cool down. So sometimes at the end of um, uh, the sessions, I'd run like you know um, you know close to thirty to thirty five kilometers, um, and then in the evenings, um, you know another thirty five forty minutes. Um, sort of uh, sometimes then uh, probably be Friday before I would do anything um, a session wise again. Sometimes the the long run would be there, and the long run would include a session where it might be. Um, 10 miles easy and 10 miles at um at marathon pace and then in between runs would either be um 
recovery or high aerobic runs again, 620. So it was all very specific and you every time you ran, he, he, you, you knew what your reason for that run was. And so that was new. It's funny listening to, to you, you can, you know, you can remember the times for your splits for a marathon that happened, you know, at this stage, it wasn't like last week. And oh. I, I'm just, I'm thinking about it from my own training, but also from, you know, how many people are going to be listening to this on the eve of the marathon, remembering their good weeks and how, you know, how that gives you confidence or, or kind of makes you a bit shaky, maybe going into a, a run. And, you know, the mental side of training is really important. So how do you keep focus like do you have do you you know do you mantras do you keep a training journal where you kind of can look back on your good runs and your good races or like how do you um you know when you're having a bad run how do you kind of channel that that confidence that you've gotten from all of your training block into uh into turning that around yeah i mean it's it's hard i mean it's 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 you know, I must say that that build up uh, up to 2014 was just perfect. So I, I've never been more confident. Following years, you know, um, things are very don't often always go like that. And um, uh, and at times, you know, you ha- you really do have to draw in on 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 your mental strength of of. And I do would would work with mantras. I probably could have worked a bit harder on my uh, my my sick psychological aspect to it I suppose um, I'd be very much a person who's just like uh, it's the training that gives me the confidence and um, I suppose I suppose at times now in the last year or two I've, I've really struggled you know and um it, it gets harder and harder uh, and as Chris sort of says the longer you go <laughs> running you know you're going to have more bad races and I sort of he sort of said you know that's just the nature of the ups and downs of it and stuff um, I suppose you know sometimes you just have to sort of I would sort of take a moment and sort of draw in and at the end of the day I'm just there right now I'd be like right I'm just so happy that I can run I'm I, I still love it I still love competing um, and and I, I probably take the the bad e- better now than I ever would have because I appreciate th- that um, I can still do it. Uh, I used to like more in my twenties um, take it a lot harder and and probably was my own worst enemy if I had a bad run or whatever. I'd probably go out and just and I used to do it quite regularly. Just go out and hammer out runs. <laughs> day just to make, to prove to myself that I still was able to run hard and run fast you know but I suppose that's kind of the, <laughs> the younger not so uh, um, the, the more um, not really really seeing the bigger picture sometimes back then there's that sort of answer and and with a training program like that Maria literally when you were talking through all the splits and, and what you do every day of the week I just kept thinking food 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 <laughs> How does the nutrition side of of that kind of peak week training work? Yeah, um, I mean, I've always I've always been really into um, nutrition and sort of um, eating well and you know eating good food and stuff like that. So I've never found it hard. I suppose I definitely always found in the marathon I'd go through sort of maybe about the sixth or seventh weekend and I would just be. St- starving I'd wake up in the middle of the night and my stomach would just be hollow and I always just found it was like these two or three weeks and I'd be having to go downstairs and get a bowl of cereal and I'd wake up in the morning and I'd still be hungry um and but I suppose um 
I just, I, 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 I mean, I, I believe in a good balanced diet. I, I mean, I wish I enjoyed cooking. Um, I, I, <laughs> um, and I struggle with that kind of thing. I'd be kind of a bit basic and stuff like that. But um, I do love my food in and um, when it's presented to me, I'll definitely eat <laughs> um, But uh, I, I, I enjoy eating well, so that's not it. Uh, it's not a challenge for you it's funny listening to you talk about this you know and and the food aspect like so I think I'm probably not alone in I mean I ran the Paris Marathon a couple of years ago and I put on weight during training for that because I was empty stomach like all of the time and I mean the nutrition aspect of it is so important and also you know you hear so much about recovery so like how how important has recovery been um, as you've kind of as your training has progressed? So you said when you were younger, or, you know, the day after a bad race, you just go out and hammer out hard hard sessions. But now you're probably a little bit kind of smarter about recovery. Yeah, and more appreciative of the the need to recover. Um, I I could never I I was always somebody I could never understand somebody who used to be able to train hard and do these workouts Tuesday Thursday Saturday. I I was. I was I was never able to do that. I probably realised I was never able to do that it was because I ran so hard on the in between days. Um, so uh, I um, probably ran my general mileage way too hard, um, and I know that now. And now I sort of know that I need the two or three days from a hard session to run easy, and um, so before I can go again. And uh, I've I would always sort of try and preach that to the people that I coach that you need that recovery <laughs> and you know sort of be nice to yourself in a, you know that kind of way so and and you know get your friends and go for those easy runs and stuff you know uh, you know the um, general easy aerobic runs are are vital for that that base and injuries are can be another kind of um big factor in for runners at, at every level and um, you've had your fair share over the years how how do you gauge when a niggle might be something more sinister and you shouldn't just try run it off? It's hard. Yeah, um, I must say, um, biomechanically, I am not good. I, um, I'm i probably, again, I've probably in my early 20s, I just was so obsessed with running in a very negative or detrimental way to my own body that I would run, I wouldn't have let, admit to there being a, a problem <laughs> and then the the injury became to the point where I actually could not run anymore I wasn't very good at managing those um I suppose um I'm probably as I say as you say as you get older you uh, you tend to sort of appreciate things a little bit better and you realize that uh, um I, I suppose I've I have got better at being a bit better in tune with my with my body and um, at the height of my training I would have always sort of uh, tried to get massages and I, w- I would be a big big believer in foam rolling and stretching and stuff like that and that's something that you can do very easily at home you know in front of the television at night and stuff like that I think the foam f- roller is probably every should be every runner's best friend you know <laughs> that awkward moment when I haven't ro- foam rolled 
all year. <laughs> um, but look, you know, Maria, like, you know, you're talking about kind of running later into life. And it's really not unusual for female athletes, um, especially those at the top of their game, to take a break, start a family and then return to the level that you were at before. So and that's something that you you have done. So talk to us a bit about your experience um, in that regard. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I suppose if you want to have motivation to get back running, I was like, I was could not wait after after having Dylan. I, I mean, I, I had I had a very um, I couldn't have asked for a better pregnancy and, and getting back. Um, I, I trained um, quite hard when I was pregnant. Um, I, I ran every morning and when the when I couldn't really do any more workouts, um, I just ran and uh, had a great group of, of women to train with up in Letterkenny and that was really enjoyable. And then in the evenings, then I would sort of uh, cross train and um, Gary and I, that my husband um, would do a lot of sort of spinning sessions with with myself. So it was kind of nice that we spent time together. He was really he it was really good. And we it was nice to spend, <laughs> you know, that kind of uh, um, quality time now that we could, we weren't running together anymore. Um, and uh, so I worked I worked really hard. I thought the spinning was brilliant for keeping myself in shape. And um, and luckily, I, 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 I did get back into shape quite quickly. I, I was kind of. Um, I, I ended up having having to have a C-section so that was sort of a little bit I was like oh no I'm never going to get back and be in time for running Dublin um, but um, uh, I didn't have any further complications so it was fine mm. and um, do you have any desire Maria to make a further ju- jump up to in distance to ultras or is no no I, I uh, no um, I I I definitely the track was always my 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 heart. I still would have always have trained once a week, nearly doing track sessions, even through the marathon, because I just there's just something that's just my home as well, my favorite place to train, and um, and uh, I enjoy that training the most. Uh, I think the marathon is something unique and it draws every everyone in, and I and I certainly. Um, have loved it. I certainly have experienced the highs, the lows, the uglies, the dropouts, everything in it, and it draws you back. But um, I, I, I do find the distance hard, and um, and um, but if I, um, I suppose. No, I, th- I definitely think that's to answer the question that the forty-two k is enough for me. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean. All of the time that you've been training uh, and competing at such an elite level, you're still a really prolific club runner. So you still train um, weekly, you say, probably with DSD, is it? Yeah, I'm with um, DSD. Yeah, I've had, um, yeah, I've kind of um, got back into the club there in the summer and um, training with the girls for the shorter distances. And that was really, really enjoyable. And um, I've got a few friends that sort of I train with as well. Um, And... uh, yeah, no, I, I'm delighted to help out. The, the cross country is coming up and hopefully we'll retain our title. I think we'll have a tough hand, a tough time of it this year, but uh, hopefully we can. And um, I, I, I just think that it, it's it's great, the, 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 the club ethos. So before we get on to uh, our listener question and our quick fire closing round, um, which is where I'm going to grill you for tips <laughs> and, and everything else, um, if you're, if there's any women listening um, who've never considered running or, or kind of never ran, um, do you have any tips for them? 
Yeah, I mean, gosh, you know, it's 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 amazing how many people who've 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 uh, taken up running and have really got the running bug later in life. And um, and and I, my first thing was be to find a friend, and you know, if it's run walk um, at the start. Um, you can build it up. There's so many groups out there, couch to 5Ks and just, you know, it's just so much more enjoyable when you have somebody to run with. And there are so many people um, and there's so many groups out there. And I really just feel if you just put your your name out or your you know feelers out, you will find that there will definitely be a group for you. And I I really think um, so many people are just, you know, then that's a great, great social thing as well. Hmm. All right, we're going to move on to um, we we put a call out on Twitter um, and we had some to let them know that you're going to be on the show and we had some people get back to us who are actually doing the marathon this Sunday who had a couple of questions. So um, Emer Nick Dermot asked, sometimes the marathon just doesn't go right for you on the day. It happened to me last year. It can be very disappointing after all that build up. Do you have any tips for how to shake off a bad race and recover mentally for the next one? Yeah, it's it's hard. It really is. And and that's the the hard aspect of the marathon because all your eggs are on into that one race. It's not like a 5k where you can come back out the next week. And um I do appreciate that. Like and I think sometimes you just have to take the time, let your body recover and find yourself another goal. And like sometimes you've got to um it, it's hard to pick yourself up. The, the training doesn't go to waste and you might find then that if you've given yourself a couple of months for another marathon or set yourself up for a 10k half marathon and build it up slowly that um, your fitness um, will come back quickly after you've had you know a few weeks um, easy or you know time out and stuff to let your body recover and I know it might not just happen on that day but you know it, it it won't go to waste and I really believe that if you can just find your um, deep inside to find that uh, love again you will it will come out and it will come out in, an, in another race hopefully at a later stage but it is hard and um, but you're not alone <laughs> it happens to a lot of people We had another question in from Eve Coogan who asked I'm doing the Dublin Marathon this Sunday any advice for these last few days in relation to diet and my last few training runs? Take it very easy. If you don't run the day before a race, don't don't suddenly start running a few miles on Saturday. Um, don't spend too long at the expo. Uh, it's it's it it's nice and there's a good buzz, but it is draining and it's a lot of time on your feet. Uh, don't be looking up for little extra too many extra bargains and new new things to wear and or run in on um on the last few days. Make sure you've tested it out if you haven't worn that singlet or t-shirt make sure you wear it in the next day or two and have it washed um no new runners make sure you've run in them um a good few a uh, few times um plenty of plenty of fluids as well um don't go crazy on this carbo loading i think it's important to eat a lot um but don't don't overtax your 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 body if it's not used to it just i i just i would be a firm believer that you know you just have to sort of um, increase it but increase it over uh, smaller amounts throughout the day um, y- you know you don't want to have sort of GI distress pretty much on the day um, and it's nerve wracking enough um, and uh, j- j- have that water bottle with you um, uh, over the last few days and just be constantly sipping and you know um, put the feet up get early to bed you have an extra hour to 
um, get things organized on Sunday as well. So and to try and stay relaxed and, you know, sort of believe that this is this is what you've aimed for and um, uh, and enjoy it and, and and soak up the the energy and the the atmosphere and use that to your advantage. It's funny listening to you like the atmosphere is something that you can't convey on in the Dublin race because it's just it's just incredible out there. But while you are here, we're going to close with some quick fire questions okay. no pressure but we are going to use this time to uh, get some advice for us middle of the packers for the olympian from the olympian in our midst so four questions firstly uh what meal do you eat the night before usually pasta good stuff uh taking notes there um what do you have for breakfast on marathon morning uh, jam and toast banana and then i would usually eat a sort of an energy bar like a power bar or something maybe 90 minutes beforehand do you use a song to get you in the zone no i don't really listen to music <laughs> at all okay and what's your favorite post-run treat do olympians go for burgers and beers like the rest of us oh gosh i'm i'm really bad like that i i <laughs> um um i'm I, I no, I I I I don't really have that major design. Do you not have a post match treat? No. Wow. Uh, this is why she's an Olympian. Um That's incredible. If uh, I if I do a training session in hockey I come home and have a treat. Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose sometimes, um yeah I suppose I usually can't eat quite you know, you, I usually have to go for drug testing, so that usually takes quite a long time post marathon because <laughs> you're so dehydrated, and they usually have you know their fluids and things. Yeah, it's a pretty time. good excuse as to why she's not having a post race <laughs> because she's off getting drug tested. Yeah, it's um, fair. It's fair. Yeah, no, I, I suppose yeah. What are you? I mean, I'll eat anything after. What are you going to have on Sunday, Emily? After well, you finish the marathon? Well, on Sunday, I'm going to have a very delicious pint of Guinness, um, and some kind of delicious burger. Okay. Uh, my mum came to the finish line for the double marathon last year and famously stood there waiting for me with a mocha and a latte, or sorry, a mocha and a muffin. Oh, very nice. And a latte <laughs> for herself, and I was like, I'm dying <laughs> what am I going to do with this but yeah there you that's, go that's and you were able to stomach it and everything I wasn't did, I was absolutely no, not no oh, no, no way oh right sorry yeah no sorry it was the other way around yeah no, no okay yeah yeah sometimes it's, it is hard yeah well that's that pretty much covers the marathon for uh, for everyone taking part big thanks to Maria McCambridge for taking time to join us in the fair game hot seat to share her wisdom and experience on all things competitive running If you are doing the double marathon this weekend, we wish you all the very best with it. And we hope you've picked up some useful nuggets of info to help you on the home stretch and to tame the taper crazy. If you've been inspired to give running a go based on what you've heard on this episode, then please feel free to give us a shout on Twitter at FairGameCast if you have any comments or questions. A reminder to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Android, Stitcher or Spotify, whichever one you're listening on now. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Head Stuff podcast network too. Some absolute crackers available there. And that's all for this episode and we'll chat to you again next month. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and 
rugged at the same time. Introducing the all-new RAV4 Hybrid. 208 combined horsepower and standard all-wheel drive make it the most powerful RAV4. Plus, with its head-turning style and breakaway speed, it's bound to change the way you think of a hybrid. The all-new RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota. Let's go places. Horsepower. Ratings achieved using the required premium unleaded gasoline with an octane rating of 91 or higher. Premium fuel is not used. Performance will decrease.